chapter 3. I always like to have you turn to something in the Old Testament and then also something in the New Testament. I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 1, which is the very first chapter of the New Testament. So Proverbs chapter 3, we'll look at that here in just a little bit, and then also Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1 and 2 tell the story, is the part about, it's telling the story about Joseph, and then also Luke chapter 1 and 2. So Matthew 1 and 2 and Luke 1 and 2 tell the the Christmas story. Last week we were in Luke 1 and 2 with Mary. This week we're going to be in Matthew 1 and 2 with Joseph. And um, so the title of this series is Nativity Scene. In every nativity scene, there's three major figures, and it's Mary, Joseph, and baby Jesus. And so we're, last week we talked about Mary, this week we're going to talk about Joseph, Joseph, and then next week on Christmas, our Christmas worship service, we're going to talk about Jesus. And I shared this last week, and I love it, Will and Amanda Bowie had to be gone this weekend, but they had told me that they started doing this with their family, and I love it because little Ella May, uh, she, they started, uh, let me read this first and I'll tell you that story. Beginning December the 1st, read one chapter of the Gospel of Luke each day. There are 24 chapters. By the time you reach Christmas Eve, you will have read an entire account of the life of Christ. You'll wake up Christmas morning knowing who and why we celebrate Christmas. And so I, I talked about this last week, and uh, Will and Amanda Bowie went home and started doing that, and they were reading it to J.W. and to Ellie May, Ellie May, Ellie May is, is her name, and she, Ellie May, when they got to the part talking about Gabriel, she perked up and she goes, oh, we learned about him today at church, that he's the one that spoke, he's the angel that spoke to Mary, and I just love it, that uh, training up those children. Um, I told you last Sunday that every Sunday, these three Sundays, I was going to bring you a little history on the nativity scene. Um, uh, just this might help you win a game show somewhere down the, down the pike, okay? I always like historical facts. Um, but I looked this up because I wanted to know what the biggest, um, the biggest nativity scene is. And it's Almonte Springs, Florida is the world's largest nativity scene. Not just the nation, but the world. And it's a 19-foot-tall figures in a residential neighborhood. There's a year-round display. Claims to be two feet taller than the nativity that's listed in the Guinness Book of World Records. And so I thought that was very interesting. Um, another thing that I found out is that um, I was Googling this. Thank God for Google today. I was, I was looking this up. These are... Fun facts for you. Which U.S. state was the first to recognize Christmas as an official holiday? Believe it or not, it was Alabama. And that was in 1836, following the popularity of Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. Alabama became the first state to declare Christmas to be a legal holiday. And it wasn't until 1870 that Christmas would also become a federal holiday. Now listen to this. In 1907, Oklahoma became the last state to make Christmas a legal holiday. I'm disappointed in us Oklahomans, but at least we got in there. All right. <laughs> we got in there last, <laughs> by the way. How many, then um, the first shall be last. There's, that's the prophetic right there. All right. So we'll be first as we go. <laughs> but anyway, all right, I'm having a little too much fun now. Um, another, another, you know, I talked about the different, um, you know, characters that we put in our nativity scenes and... Uh, some of you may have known this, I didn't know this, but the two animals that you need to have in your nativity scene is an ox and a donkey. And the ox represents the Jewish people, 
and the donkey represents us Gentiles. Some of you knew that. I did not. Um, then, you know, everybody has, you know, shepherds and sheep, and there's even shepherd dogs that you see in some of them. I think they said that the, a full nativity set will have, or nativity scene will have 17 different characters in there, counting everybody. And, um, and a lot of times in a nativity scene, you'll see three wise men. And so how many wise men visited Jesus? We really don't know the real answer to that. People assume three because of the three gifts that they brought. There is a reason to believe there may have been as many as a few dozen wise men accompanied by guards and servants. The group was so large, and the reason why they know this, and I believe this too, there wasn't just three, I think there was quite a few of them, is the group was so large that it frightened King Herod, scared him. Uh, and those gifts were so expensive that they might have been sold to help pay for Mary, Joseph, and Jesus' escape to Egypt. Symbolically, the gold represents royalty, and Jesus was king of the Jews. The frankincense was, was incense used in the temple to express gratitude and thankfulness, and the myrrh was a perfume that was later used on Jesus after taking him off of the cross. So I thought that was very, very interesting. But now we're going to get into the life of Joseph, okay? And so I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 1, and I'm going to read verses 18 through 25. And so I'm trying to, I'm not putting them up here on the, on the screen, I'm trying to make you bring your Bibles or turn on your smartphone to Matthew chapter 1. And we're going to look at verse 18. It says, this is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, so they were engaged. Uh, one translation says betrothed. That was the, means the word engaged. But before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Now, to help you get into this lesson this morning, um, you're, I want you to get into the mindset of Joseph. If you'd have had your wife-to-be come to you and say, I'm pregnant, what would your first thought be? Anger, frustration, embarrassed. I mean, all, all these so I want you to get into Joseph's mindset here for just a second. Verse 19 says, Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in his mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you're to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. That's from Isaiah. And when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Now, I want you to jump down and go to Matthew chapter 2, and we're going to go to verse 13 in Matthew chapter 2. We're going to keep reading about Joseph here. It says, When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. This is talking about this is after the wise men had left, this entourage that came and gave those three gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. It says, When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up. He said, Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So, you know, I'm just sitting here thinking about Herod. You talk about somebody that's so insecure 
that they're going to kill every man, man child two years and under because he, he wants to continue to be king. That's, you talk about somebody that's very insecure. Verse 14 says, So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, Out of Egypt I called my son. And when Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, or the wise men, he was furious, and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem. So what had happened, if you read up higher there in Matthew chapter 2, you can read this later on. What had happened is Herod had told the wise men, when you find him, come back to me and tell me where he's at. Well, thank God the wise men didn't go back and tell him where he was at. And he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted because they are no more. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel. For those who were trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee, and he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets, he will be called a Nazarene. Wow, it's powerful. There's a lot in that story, and I'm going to try to unpack it for just a, a little bit. Whenever I was studying about Joseph, we knew last week I talked about Mary. She was anywhere, we could, she's anywhere from the age of 12 to 16 when they could have got engaged as a young lady. Uh, most scholars say she was somewhere between 14 and 16. So she was a teenager, teenage pregnancy. By the Holy Spirit. Joseph, we don't really know how old he is, but most, most scholars believe that he was, was older, definitely older than, than Mary. Um, we don't know his age. And I'll, I'm just going to share this, just a little bit about him, is there's no mention of Joseph after Jesus was 12 years old when he was in the temple. When Jesus, you know, when they left Jerusalem, they said, where's Jesus? You know, they had a parenting fail. We've lost the Son of God. Okay, and they, they said, well, so we got to go back to Jerusalem and find out where Jesus is at. Well, they looked around for him. They found him in the temple, and he was astounding the scholars of his day with his knowledge of the word of God. And, and they, so they said, what, what are you doing, Jesus? And he's 12, and he says, don't you know I need to be about my father's business? And so that's the last time that we see Joseph, Jesus' earthly father, because there's no, really no mention of him from the age of 12 to the age of 30, and that's when Jesus began his public ministry. Uh, somewhere in between Jesus when he was age 12 to age 30, um, Joseph passed away. He died. And so Mary was a widow. We, we, we know this because at the cross, Jesus tells John, his disciple, to take care of his mother. Um, and so there's just no mention of him. So he passed away between the ages of 12 and 30. So I want you to understand that for a little bit. But the, the main thing that I, that's just a little history for you, but the main thing um, that there's, if you're taking notes this morning on the back of your bulletin, you can write down one, two, three, four, because there there's four things that come out through these, these scriptures that I want us to, to glean from the life of Joseph. Because God, I just want you to think about this, God chose this man, just like he chose Mary, to be you know, the womb of Mary, to birth the Son of God. He chose this man to be 
the son of God's earthly father. So it made me think about, God, why did, what, what did you see in Joseph that made you choose him instead of someone else? And so there's, there's four things I want to show you from the life of Joseph. And here's number one. Number one is always be kind to others. <laughs> it's easier said than done, huh? Uh, and it's, it's, always, it's, it's, it's cool to be kind when somebody's being kind to you, but I'm talking about when somebody gets in your face, calls you names or whatever, can you still be kind? Can you take the high road instead of coming down to that low road with them? Because your kindness can lead people into the kingdom of God, even when they're acting a fool. Amen? It really can. But sometimes we got flesh to deal with, so we get over in the flesh and like, let's just have a bite, you know. And God's saying, no, that's not the way. Always be kind to others. And I'm going to show you this in Joseph. In verse 19 in Matthew 1, it says, Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. All right. Didn't have to. He could have really exposed her. He could have public disgraced her. I mean, the law said you could do that back in his day. But Joseph was a kind man, and he said, I'm not going to expose her. I, I love Mary. I don't under, really understand what's going on right now. Um, you've had to have had a relationship with somebody. And you're telling me you're pregnant, and, but I'm not going to expose you to public disgrace. I'm going to just divorce you quietly. So I want you to get in the life of Joseph here for just a second. Despite the likely anger, frustration, and embarrassment, Joseph didn't want to harm Mary by making the situation public. He didn't post it on Facebook. He didn't tweet it, and he didn't snap it. And everybody said, amen. He chose to divorce, divorce her quietly showing the amazing kindness Jesus' father had in his heart, a kindness we should replicate even for those who hurt us or we don't understand. And everybody said, amen. How many of you ever have started making a post on Facebook and then deleted it? Yeah. Okay, we're getting honest in the house of God now. How many of you ever wrote out a text and before you sent it, deleted it? Amen. <laughs> okay, we're all, getting, we're all getting honest here this morning. Always be kind to others. Always be kind. And Joseph was a very kind man. We can see that in how he, how he protected Jesus, how he protected Mary, um, his obedience, everything. I mean, we just see that he was a very kind and gracious man. In Romans 2, 4, it's one of my, I have a lot of favorite scriptures, of course. But this is one of them. It says, or do you, this shows you the, the heart of the Father, our Father God. It says, or do you know... Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness, one's translation says goodness, is intended to lead you to repentance? Kindness is a fruit of the Spirit that we all need. And, uh, and we're, li you know, we're living in the last days, and it's something that seems like it's not there, it don't even exist anymore. And then when you finally run into a kind person, you're like, ah, you know, because it's, it's a fruit of the, of the Holy Spirit that we all need to walk in. And we have to walk in it at all times. Not just whenever somebody's being kind to us, but even when somebody's being unkind to us. We need to walk in that kindness. Because your kindness, listen to this, God's fruit of the Spirit flowing through you of kindness can lead somebody into repentance and lead them into the kingdom of God. It's not the turn or burn. <laughs> 
That, don't, that just scares the hell out of people. That's what that does, okay? Um, so, but your kindness can lead people to repentance. I love what Colossians 3.12 says. It says, therefore, as God's chosen people, that's us, holy and dearly, dearly loved, clothe yourselves, talking about put this on, put on compassion, put on kindness, put on humility, gentleness, and patience. Those are fruits of the Spirit, fruit of the Spirit. Kindness is fruit of the Spirit. So everybody wants to be kind. Look at somebody and say, I'm going to be kind to you. <laughs> I'm going to be kind. I'm going to be kind. If you've got your spouse sitting next to you, be sure and say that. Okay, I'm going to be kind to you. Here's the second lesson. Always be obedient to God. Always be obedient to God. In 1 Samuel 15, verse 22 says, But Samuel replied, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. I want to show you something in the Word about Joseph. The number one way, here we're, we're all New Testament believers here, okay? The number one way that God is going to speak to you is through the Word. That's why you have to have a relationship with God through your prayer life, but also you need to have a relationship with this, the book, the Word of God, because that's the number one way God is going to speak to you is through His, is through his Word. There's also other ways that God speaks. He did this in the Old Testament. He's doing it in the New Testament. God also speaks to us through dreams. So you need to pay attention to your dreams. Um, sometimes dreams are because I had, you know, a full pepperoni pizza before I went to bed. Those are not God dreams, okay? Those are not God dreams. Uh, but there are times, and God will help you discern as you grow and walk with him. He'll help you discern what dreams are from him and what dreams are not. But in this story, what I just read to you in Matthew 1 and 2, God's, and I, you know, this, I was like, and I've asked God this question, why? I have got no answer to it. But I'm like, okay, you showed up to Mary with a physical angel. She saw, saw Gabriel. Uh, but with Joseph, you just talk, talk to him in dreams, you know. Um, and then, you know, you showed up to the shepherds with angels. And then you showed up to the wise men with a star. And God, and through that, I was just like, man, there's just, you know. So God, here's what I'm going to just tell us all. God can speak to you through his word, through, through creation, amen, and through an angel, if he so chooses, and through your dreams. But the number one way he's going to speak to you is through his word, so you need to get into the word of God. But I'm going to go back, and I'm going to show you these four dreams, and I'm going to show you about Joseph. He didn't, he didn't argue with God. He didn't complain. He didn't, uh, he didn't question God when he had these dreams. He just did. It's, every time you see this dream, you're going to, you're going to see the word, he got up, he get up, and he obeyed. Get up and obey. Get up and obey. He didn't question. He didn't do anything. So let's go back through this real quick, and I'm going to show you all four of these dreams. Here's the first one. This is Matthew 1, 24 through 25. He says, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife, but he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son and gave him the name Jesus. So he woke up, didn't ask any more questions. He just took Mary as his wife. He said, I don't care what society says. I don't, I don't care what culture says. Or everybody's going to be asking questions. But the angel of the Lord spoke to me in my dream that I need to take you as my wife. Even though I do not fully, I guarantee you, Joseph did not fully understand what in the world is going on in my house. Okay? He didn't. 
But he, he listened to the voice of God through his dream, through the angel, and he obeyed. Here's the second one. Matthew 2, verses 13 through 14. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. Okay, this is during the middle of the night. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and left for Egypt. Now I want to say, okay, he got up right during the middle of the night, didn't question, didn't argue with God. You know, God, it's midnight, can I wait till 7 a.m. to leave? No, you need to leave right now. He got up, he left right then, packed up his wife and Jesus, and they left. And here's what I also want to say is Mary had to be obedient too. Can you imagine Mary? But Mary knew that, okay, God's going to be speaking through my husband to me, so I better be obedient now, you know, because she's already heard from the angel and about what she's carrying, the Son of God. And so they were very obedient. Now, not just Joseph, but Mary as well. They were always obedient to God. This challenged me, because am I always obedient to God? Uh, no. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. There's been times God told me to do something. I'm like, eh, I don't think so. I think I, got a better, I think I got a better plan, God. I think I got a better plan. Your plan is not as good as God's. It'll never be. And, uh, so, just, and so I want to be like Joseph and be quick to obey and not hesitate and not complain and not gripe and not argue and not question. Just obey. Just obey. All right, here's the next one. Here's the third dream. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up. Take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel, for those who are trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. God can speak to you in dreams about where you need to move to, where you need to go, where you need to live, what job to take. He can speak to you. One of the things that Jade and I do every, almost every night before we go to bed is I will pray over us, and I'll plead the blood of Jesus over our minds that we'll have the mind of Christ even as we rest. And, we ta- and, I, and ahead of time, I'll say, and we take captive every thought to the obedience of Christ while we sleep. And Lord, speak, And then I always ask the Lord, Lord, speak to us in our dreams. Speak to us. So he, he can speak to you when you're awake, during your prayer times, or just when you're about your daily activities. And he can also speak to you in your dreams. But I, always cons- I try to remember to consecrate my mind to, to God even while I sleep. At, start, at, start praying that way when you go to bed at night. Start asking God to speak to you in your dreams and see what happens. Matthew, uh, so that's, that's the third dream. Here's the, the fourth dream. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in the place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And having been warned in a dream, there's another dream, this is number four, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. Because he was obedient to a dream, he fulfilled prophecy. Wow. I mean, this is amazing. And he went and lived in a town called Nazareth, so was fulfilled what was said through the prophets that he would be called a Nazarene. So there is a stunning lesson here about being obedient, even when life feels chaotic or uncertain or you don't understand what God is doing. In Joseph's case, the events around him likely felt out of control and uncomfortable, but he still chose to hear God through the chaos, a lesson in obedience for us all. And everybody said, Amen. Um, I I, I wasn't going to share this story, but I'm going to go ahead and share it this morning because I feel like I need to. I feel like um, this is for you, Judy, okay? Is I had a dream, and I don't dream a lot, um, uh, 
when I and but there has been several occasions over my life where God has spoken to me through dreams. And I promise you, you won't have to. You're not going to have to question it. You're you're not going to doubt it when when you know God has spoken to you through a dream. And so during this dream, it was just like a little snippet of a dream that I had, and uh, uh, and I've I've been trying to condition myself to be obedient when God speaks this way. Um, and try to be obedient at all times and just quit complaining and quit arguing and quit questioning God. How many of you do that? I, I do uh, all the time. And just, just obey, Mark. Just obey. Just be quick to obey. And so I, w- I had a dream, and it was about Judy. And all I saw in this dream was I was to give her a $100 bill. Boom. It. That's it. Okay, number one, that's not for me because I'm selfish. I want to keep that $100 bill in my billfold. Number two, Satan's not going to tell you to give somebody money, promise you. Um, and so I, and I just knew when I woke up, this is from God. And I even told Jada while we, when we got up that morning, I said, I had a dream last night. It's so weird. I said, I, I drank, I, you know, it'll seem weird to you, uh, even though it's not. It's supposed to be natural that as children of God, God can speak to us anytime. And I said, I'm supposed to give Judy a $100 bill. And... Uh, Jada's, Jada's first response was because Jada's at home. She's not feeling well. Love you, babe. She's watching online. Jada's always more obedient than I am. <laughs> I can always tell you that. She goes, well, you're supposed to do that then. I said, okay, well, I got a $100 bill in my billfold. I'm going to give it to her on Sunday. Well, that Sunday rolled around. Judy wasn't here. So then I started thinking, the $100 bill is mine. She's not here. <laughs> and God kept saying, no, I already told you you're going to be obedient, but my timing is when it needs to be released. So, okay, so I thought, okay, it's going to be the next Sunday. So the next Sunday rolls around, boom, she's not here. I'm like, well, it's mine, God. <laughs> you know, it's mine. It's, it's going to stay in my billfold. And God just kept telling me, no, there's going to, there's going to be a perfect time for it. There's a perfect timing. And uh, so the night that this happened is whenever Jennifer had us all over to her house where we baptized Krista, baptized every one of you except for Judy. And, uh, but Judy was there because it was an answer to prayer to her. And she was sitting in a, in a lawn chair by the pool watching us baptize. I think we baptized seven that night, wasn't it? You know, friends and family. We just had an awesome time. Jennifer had a big feed for us. Her husband cooked for us. We had a great time. And um, Judy had a cane at that time. And, um, and I, I just knew, okay, this is the night that I need to do this. All right, so... Uh, I wasn't going to share this because this is between me and God and me and Judy, but I feel like I need to share this because, Judy, you need to hear this this morning. Is I, um, so I just said, okay, just when I leave, I'm just going to quietly go over and say, hey, Judy, here. And so we were about to leave. I walked over and I gave it to Judy and I said, Judy, the Lord wants you to have this and the Lord's bringing a hundredfold blessings into your life. As I think that was about all I said. And I left and went home. And then I saw God begin to work in her life. That's when there was an answer to prayer for her family getting baptized. There was coming to the Lord. There was healing happening in her life. The cane went away. I mean, God was just doing awesome things. And she came in here this morning, and she started. She came up here, and she's kind of having a discouraging morning. And so I'm reminding you about God spoke to me in a dream to do that to you, Judy. And he is, he is not a man that he should lie. His word, it will not return void. You are healed in Jesus' name. Don't believe the lie of the enemy. Amen. And I, 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 had, I didn't have that in my notes, but I had it in my thought pattern even before I came to church today to share that story. And then you caught me right before church, and I was like, I've got to share that. And that's for you, Judy. That's for you.
And so I just want everybody to just to be obedient to your dreams when something happens like that. Or even during the day when God puts somebody on your heart to pray for them, just, just pray for them right then, okay? And you're going to be, that's when you're really being obedient to God and walking with him and you're training yourself in righteousness. All right, here's number, here's number three. Follow God, not man, society, or culture. And everybody said amen. We're living in a day and age where the lines are being so blurred between what's right and wrong according to culture and society. But I'm going to tell you one thing right now. If, you're, if that's what you're listening to, it's always going to be blurry. But if you listen to this, it's always going to be white and black. Amen. And so you got this is why you got to have a relationship with the Word of God, knowing what God says in His Word. So to follow God, not man, society, or culture. And this is Proverbs 3. This is the scripture, and we, we talked about this last Sunday with Mary. When I read Mary, about Mary, and I read about Joseph, what I see in their lives is their trust in God. And it says in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, most of you know this one by heart. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. That's where we trip and stumble right there. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. And Joseph could have simply quit. Listen to this, okay? The choice of this. I can't wait to meet Joseph in heaven because I'm going to go up and give him a big old hug and say, thank you, sir, for your obedience. Because Joseph could have simply quit his relationship with Mary. He could have buckled under social pressure and worried about what society around him thought about the couple's circumstances. Rather than listen to God, he could have allowed culture standards to crowd his heart and mind. Instead, he chose to listen and follow God against all of the odds. And thank God he did. Thank God he did. And everybody said, amen. Here's number four. Everybody learned something today? Here's number four. Judy, remember I told you this is, I told Judy, just keep pressing on. Walk in faith, not by sight. Persevere and press on. Persevere and press on. What we need in the body of Christ is more Christians being faithful. And everybody said, amen. We don't need Christians that fold up their tent when things start getting tough. Okay, because things are going to get tough. I'm telling you that. It's going to get tougher and tougher and tougher, but persevere and press on. You're going to shine in the midst of all the darkness out there. And this is James 1.12. says, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Persevere and press on. God will make a way where there seems to be no way. Luke 9, verse 62. This is something Jade and I read the other day when we was reading through the Gospel of Luke. We read it every evening. In this chapter, Luke chapter 9, this was the scripture that jumped out at me. Luke 9, verse 62. Jesus replied, No one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Quit living in the past. Move. Per persevere. Press on. Move forward. Look at somebody say, Move forward. A lot of times when we read the Christmas story, we just think, Ah, oh, Joseph and Mary, and we think... We think this little scene right here and is so precious, and it is. It's an amazing story, a true story, but we don't realize the trials and the tribulations that they had to go through to bring the Savior to the world. Even though he was the Son of God, you'd think God would have made it easy for him. It wasn't. It wasn't easy. It wasn't easy. In fact, I read something, and I just want to share this to you, with you, because I was wondering, okay, they didn't have, you know, we think, they, they didn't have vehicles, all right? They walked. They, they had to ride a donkey or whatever. 
Um, and so I was looking up the facts about how far was it to Bethlehem when they went to Bethlehem, and then how far was it when they went back to Egypt, and then they came back to Nazareth, okay? Listen to this. It is estimated that the whole journey from Bethlehem, what we just read in Matthew 1 and 2, which was real quick, just a few scriptures, it's estimated that that whole journey from Bethlehem to the return to Nazareth lasted over three years. So listen to this. The Son of God is an infant and a toddler during this time period. Okay? I've got a three-and-a-half-year-old grandson. I know what they're like. Okay? I have him for one day, and I'm like, I can't wait for you to go home in Jesus' name. I love you, but I, Poppy is worn out. Right? Okay, but they had Jesus for, you know, he, they couldn't send him back home. All right? They couldn't send him back to heaven. So from infant to toddler. But listen to this. That journey... This is approximate. They had covered approximately, and this is on foot or by donkey, 1,243 miles. Do you not think there were some trials and tribulations in that? A lot of them. And their means of transport was a donkey and the occasional sail, sailboat on the Nile River to make that whole big journey. And they did that all with Jesus, who was in that time period would have been a, an infant to a toddler. Thank you, Mary and Joseph, that they endured all that, that they persevered through all that, that they pressed on through all that. They didn't argue with God and say, God, why didn't you make this easier? You know, why didn't you supply us with a chariot from heaven to do all this traveling? He didn't do that. Um, and so, guys, I'm telling you, um, I hope you're learning something. I've learned something from, through Mary, what we looked at last week through Joseph this week. And here's, I'm going to sum it up again. Lessons from Joseph. We can walk out of here and start doing these things today. Be obedient to others or be kind to others. Be obedient to God. Follow God, not man, society, or culture. And persevere and press on. When you're going through things, persevere and press on. Amen. God's with you. And you'll receive the crown of life. Everybody learned something today? Amen. I want everybody to bow your heads in here this morning. And before we leave, I just want to make sure everybody here under the sound of my voice and those that are watching online and those that will be hearing this on radio, I just want to make sure that you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. That's the greatest gift that you'll ever receive in life is the gift of the Son of God and the gift of eternal life through His name. And so I want to lead you in this prayer. It's, just called, it's called the prayer of salvation. This is where you confess with your mouth, believe in your heart. And, uh, and it says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so even if you are saved, I want you to repeat this prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I need you in my life. <clears throat> I believe you are the Son of God, and you died on the cross for me and rose again on the third day. Please forgive me of my sins and create a clean heart in me. Renew my spirit so I can hear your voice. I accept you as my Savior. You are my Lord. Thank you for saving me. And everybody said, Amen. If that's the first time you prayed that prayer, your very next step of obedience is following the Lord in water baptism. And we can do that next Sunday during our Christmas worship service. All right, I want everybody to stand up this morning. I want you to join. If you have family there next to you, I want you to join hands with them. And I'm going to speak a blessing over you today as we leave. I want you to leave here wanting to be like Joseph and all those attributes that he had. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. And God, I thank you 
for this, this opportunity this morning to share your word, to share the Christmas story. This story never, ever gets old. God, and we learn something every time I read this story. God, I learn something. And God, I pray that we would leave here today and during this hustle and bustle of the holidays. Lord, remember to always be kind to others because we never know what they're going through. Um, and, and Lord, that we would always be obedient to God. Lord, as I said, I pray that we wouldn't argue with you, that we wouldn't complain, that we wouldn't question, that we would just simply obey like, like Joseph did. Just be obedient to you. Lord, and that we would always follow you. Uh, we're living in a society and culture today that's not following you. So God, I pray that we would know this word through and through and that we would follow you and not follow man, society, or culture. And God, there's going, to be, there's going to be battles, there's going to be mountains, there's going, to be, um, there's going to be trials, there's going to be tribulation that we have to go through. But Jesus said, be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. And so Lord, during those times, I pray that we would just persevere and press on, knowing that a new season is just around the corner. God, that we're going to step into that winning season in Jesus' name. And so Lord, I speak this blessing over everyone here today out of Numbers chapter 6, verses 24 through 26. Moses said that when, God, you spoke to Moses and said, when you speak this blessing, you're putting my presence, my blessing, you're putting it on my people. And so, Lord, I count it an honor and a privilege to be everyone here, their pastors, their pastor, and God, I want to speak this blessing over them. Now, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious unto you, and may the Lord give you his peace. May the Lord bless your going out and your coming in today. May the Lord anoint you to, to, to fulfill the divine destiny that God has given to you. May everything that is brought against you be crushed by the protection that God himself shall provide. May you be blessed in your health. May you be blessed in your relationships. May your children and your children's children be blessed because they are the heritage of the righteous. From this day forward, as you submit yourselves to the Christ of the cross, may your lives be filled with joy that is unspeakable and full of glory and with peace that surpasses all understanding. May your home, as the word of God says, be as the days of heaven on earth. In Jesus' name we pray and ask it. And everybody said, Amen. I want you to hug somebody's neck and say, Merry Christmas. And tell them to be like Joseph. Love you guys. Have a blessed week. Merry Christmas. Control, no one knows.